Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So earlier this summer, I got to go to Barcelona, and uh, while we were touring the city, we came across a little square kind of tucked away with this little church called St. Philip Neri Church. During the Spanish Civil War, Francisco Franco had besieged Barcelona, and on January 30th, 1938, just as before World War II started, he had the, his allies, the Italian fascists, come and bomb the city, and they bombed this church in the square, and the church was being used as an air raid shelter for children, and 42 people died that day. It was destroyed and devastated. The only thing that was left standing, though, was the very front of the church, the facade of it. And you can still, when you visit it today, see the pockmarks on the front of the church from the shrapnel. Can we go to the next picture, please? That's the picture that I took. And so when I was standing there in the square, I thought immediately, like, this is actually a picture of the church, Christ's church. Because for 2,000 years, for 2,000 years, she has been attacked and bombarded by forces without, as her saints have been, been violently persecuted and, and brutally massacred, but also from within, as, as saints have some, or as sinners have sometimes corrupted her and abused her. Christ's church, just like him, has scars, the scars that are brought on by sin. And yet she still stands. That's what Jesus is getting at in the gospel today. The gates of hell shall not overcome my church. Now they sure try. And Satan is alive and well and prowling. And he inflicts great damage. So within the church, we're not going to find perfection. I mean, just look around you at the characters that are sitting next to you, right? Right? And within the church, we're not going to find protection or insulation from the outside. This modern life that we live feels like a constant bombardment, does it not? Everything is sort of like up for grabs in this world. Nothing is certain, and the shrapnel is just flying. 
things are collapsing around us. And we all have the pockmarks to show for it, the wounds. And yet the gates of hell will not overcome his church. Because as we're going to say in a moment in the creed, he has descended to hell. He has stormed the gates of hell and he broke them down and he built his church on the rock, on himself. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. So then, what are we building our lives on? It's almost ironic to me that we live in these crazy, uncertain times, that most of us are craving for something stable in our lives when people and things all around us kind of constantly disappoint us, and yet we neglect and we ignore the one sure and certain thing, the thing that the, that the fury of hell and will not overcome in the test of time. No, the one sure and certain thing is the church. The church. I mean, if I had an investment for you, and I promised you, hey, this is going to pay 25% dividends every year, year after year after year, you'd buy it. If I had a pill that prevented every form of cancer, you'd take it. Neither of those things exist. But the one sure and certain thing that Jesus has given us in this world, his holy church, and Eh, you know, if it fits into my schedule, I'm busy. We got a lot going on. Busy, busy, busy. Lots of things happening. The kids got all kinds of activities. We're running here and there, you know, all the time. And I work really hard. I work long hours, and I'm exhausted when I get to the weekend. And, you know, we just want to spend a little time on the water, play some golf here and there. Yeah, you know, you know what, Pastor? I'll watch the live stream later. I heard it. Or maybe that's what you're even doing today. Those of you who are watching last year, I'm so glad that you are. And, and, and maybe you can't be here, but if you're doing it just because it's more convenient, you're missing something. Or maybe you are the person, you are here every week, but you live your real life the rest of the week. You know what I mean? For a lot of people, I fear for a lot of us, the church is not the rock and the foundation of my life. It's more like a pet rock. Do you remember these pet rocks? I'm dating myself a little bit, but you can still buy a pet rock. You can, you know, Google or go on Amazon. You can still buy a pet rock. Or you can save yourself the money and go out and pick one up off the ground and then put some googly eyes on it and call it your own. But there's a really cool story behind the pet rock. Uh, this guy, uh, one day he was out in a bar with a bunch of his friends, and he, um, they were all just having a drink and talking, and they were complaining about their pets. And he made a joke. He said, you know what you need for a pet? You need a rock, because you don't have to bathe it. You don't have to, you know, take it out. You don't have to clean up after it. Uh, you know, it's easy to take care of, right? It's not going to die on you. It won't disobey you. And a little later on, he goes, hey, that's actually a good idea. So in 1975, as the Christmas season was approaching, he decided to market the pet rock, $4 a piece. He sold over a million of them. He became a millionaire selling rocks. But I see, I think a lot of us want pet rock church. 
you don't mean every week, do you? Like, I got to come every week? I, listen, I don't need any more commitments. I don't need any more obligations in my life. No. No, no, don't ask me to make sacrifices. Don't ask me to volunteer. I'm too busy for that. Don't ask me to, to give. No. But when I do want it, you know, and I want to be inspired and kind of need my little pick-me-up and feel good, um, or, 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 you know, oh, the holidays. i got to come for the holidays, of course. we got tradition, or, or I'm having a crisis in my life. I want my pet rock. But the rest of the time, I can just set her up there on the shelf. Looks good can show my friends, see, I belong to a church, I'm a religious person. Let's keep it right there. And then I can go about my life building a life that I think is going to be a great life, my real life. The gates of hell will destroy that life because you're going to die and I'm going to die. The gates of hell will not overcome Christ's church. Now, let me just talk a little bit about what I mean by the church and why it is so essential in our lives. Because you know, have you ever heard somebody say something like, oh, I, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church. That's not true. So why then is it so essential? Well, first of all, when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about what we might think of as the organization, right? All the committees and programs and activities and ministries that go on, uh, or the buildings and the properties. And I'm not talking strictly about the, sort of the people of the church, you know, oh, the leaders or the pastors that we like or we maybe don't like so much or, or the fellow Christians that are around me. And sometimes they really inspire me and other times they are like worse than non-Christians. Because see, that's the human side of it. And it often fails. The essence of the church, of course, is Jesus. The reason why the church is rock solid is because it is built on the rock and it is built on him. There is nowhere else in the entire universe where you can receive the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has won for you on his cross. It's only in his church. That's why it's essential. This is what he means when he gives to Peter the keys of the kingdom. These are the keys that lock and unlock the gates of heaven. He gave them to Peter, then later he gives them to the apostles, and he gives them into the holy ministry, like Pastor Beath's friend who was ordained last night. These are the keys that lock and unlock heaven and unlock a life to God. So maybe the real question is, do we really believe we need the forgiveness of sins? Or do I actually believe I'm a pretty good person? I mean, of course, I have a few flaws and I need to work on them. But if I try hard enough, I can, I can be a good person. And you know what? If the church helps me with that, you know, if the church kind of inspires me and there's, you know, good sermons and messages, give me a few tips and pointers on being a good person, then great. And if that's working for me, that's awesome. And if not, yeah, do I really need it? I can do it on my own, right? Actually, do I even really need God? I guess if that's what you really believe, then go build your life on whatever. I guess go build your life on yourself. But if you have ever had to really confront your sins, then you know we cannot live without the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And that's what he gives through his holy church. When he washed you clean in holy baptism, 
when he speaks to you personally, as he did just a few moments ago, as his word was read to you. When he fills the holes in your life with himself in this sacrament. And when he sets you free from the burden of your sins, as his ministers say to you, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I read about a very tragic story this last week in the news. Pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, Andrew Bellotti. Thirteen years ago, he was, uh, he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays and went into the minors 18 years old, and he got a little bit of money, of course, in his pocket, and he went out and he bought a brand new Ford Red, his red Mustang, and he was out driving one day, and he was running late, and he was going a little too fast. And a car pulls out in front of him, and instead of putting on his brakes, he decides he's going to try and go around, and he crosses the double line, and he hits and he kills a guy named David Reed seriously injures his son named Garrett. He makes his wife, Lynn, a widow. Garrett and his sister, Katie, don't have a father anymore. But Lynn Reed decided she's going to choose the path of forgiveness. She doesn't want to ruin this young man's life. And so when it comes time for his trial, she asks that, that the judge be lenient with him. And the judge was. He only gave Bilotti, eight months in jail. He was facing five to seven years, which means his baseball career, five to seven years, would have been over. But since it was only eight months, he did his time. He got out of jail. He got it back into baseball. He made it to the majors. He's on the Phillies. He was in the World Series last year. He's married. He's got a little girl. They got another one coming on the way. He has built quite a life. Except for one thing. Thirteen years ago, as he was in jail, he wrote a letter of apology to the family, and he never got a response. But just this last spring, he met face-to-face -face with the Reed family, who gave him the thing that he needed the most. We forgive you. Maybe your sins are not that grave. Or maybe they are. But none of us can really, truly live without the forgiveness of Jesus. Not just because it relieves the pain, the, the shame and the guilt that we feel and that we all carry around. No, no, no more. Because the forgiveness of Jesus makes life right. It makes life right with God and right with each other. And Jesus so generously, freely gives it through his church. And she is the one thing that stands. So my friends, build your life on that. Let's just take a moment in prayer. Maybe to just do an inventory of our life. Maybe if you haven't been shaken up lately, maybe to shake it up a little bit and say, what am I really doing? What am I really building my life upon?
Show.